Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Sunday Night Breakdown Bracket Monday. Uh, Daniel Routledge and Dave Forrester with you once again to go through all the action uh, in the British Basketball League this week. And Dave, before we do that, I think it would be appropriate if we uh, mark the passing of Kenny Nottage, who died. It was announced over the weekend, age 64, after a short-term illness. Kenny uh, began his career in 1977 uh, in the old National Basketball League, playing for Embassy All-Stars. He went on to play for Team Talbot and Solent, but most famously for Sunderland, won what we now call the playoffs in 1983, upsetting Kingston, won the National Cup in 1991. Up, sorry, upsetting Crystal Palace. They upset Kingston in the semifinals of the National Cup. That was the one trophy Kingston didn't win over the over the three years. And of course, he was a key part of the organization when Newcastle United Sporting Club bought up the basketball and all other things beside and remained a, a minority owner. He also played uh, internationally for England. Ten caps, I think he had played at all levels, was an all-star, played at the World Student Games, led the BBL in scoring one year as well. Um, but above all that, a thoroughly, thoroughly nice man in the times I met and spoke with him. He was always super friendly, super uh, nice guy, basically. You will have you will have grown up watching Kenny from the bleachers, I'm sure, Dave. And so you would have seen a lot of his career. Yeah, I did. Um, at Crowtree Leisure Centre, at Northumbria Centre in Washington, Newcastle Arena. Um, he was utterly um, consistent mm. as a player. Um, the type of person, the type of player that you could see that you want to play with, mm. um, because he, he knew his game and he he managed himself and he conducted himself, and at times he subsumed himself to the to the, the needs of the team. Um, so when they were very very good and they were playing in Europe in nineteen ninety, um, Kenny was coming off the bench and he was primarily you know jump shooter and there was Saunders and Clyde Vaughan and and Steve Bucknell. And then when kind of the money dropped away the following year and there's there's very few left, he 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 could have easily walked away at that point. Um and he um he stayed and as you say, he led the league in scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, now when you're the only when you're one of the only guys on that team who's actually you know, really a, a bona fide BBL scorer, mm-hmm. you're gonna get a lot of attention. And yet Kenny with his, his jump shot had the um you know the ability to deal with that, but more than anything, um, and Josh and Graham said some nice stuff after the game on Saturday. I think on the commentary about Kenny, I wouldn't want to kind of go much beyond that. He's one of those few people who you know manages to climb the ladder without anybody um, having a bad word to say. Yeah, yeah. You know that doesn't happen a lot in life that you can you can basically. Um, accomplished so many things, both in both whilst playing, playing for your country, playing as a professional, um, then going into management of sport and management of the the, the comets of the Eagles, and then into the rugby world, and continue to be um, exactly the same person, and to treat everybody that you meet, whether you're coaching them, you know, in a in a gym in Washington, Tyne and Weir. Um, when they haven't picked up basketball before, or whether you're you're dealing with you know high level business people in in the world of Premiership rugby, deal with them exactly the same. Mm. And I know Paul, obviously Paul Blake is is his 
majority owner. I know Paul has relied on Ken, you know, unimaginably over the years for his, you know, for the support that he has provided. And yet, Ken was never one who would ever push himself into the line that he would never push himself forward. He would never, ever make it um, about him. And it was a shock to us all. Mm. Um, now, and I, I say all of that, not really having spoken to Ken more than maybe once or twice mm. on the, in the previous terms. Mm. So not somebody that I knew individually, but when you grow up watching people, yeah, yeah, you've oh, you know, it's like they'd be kind of, yeah. there's a kind of a halo around them, a little bit yeah, more yeah, yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. You know, he's he's playing and I'm watching. So yeah. it was always, you know, just um, he, he was just a credit to the sport, really. And again, possibly the fact that the sport let him get away is kind of indicative of some of the failings that we've had in our governing bodies over the past years. It's interesting. You mentioned that uh, the year he led the league in scoring and, and what had happened to... Sunderland obviously they had a lot of money the year before and then it, it sort of disappeared I interviewed him he was I think he was getting some award or something at Wembley uh lifetime achievement or something like that and I I interviewed him uh ahead of ahead of that and I mentioned oh, oh you led the league in scoring and he he just sort of laughed it off and sort of said uh Dave Elderkin had rang him up and said we've got no money uh <laughs> it, it's you and Kirkham and and whatever are you up for it and and he was like, yeah, okay, uh, and uh, it, it, he he was he sort of played it down the fact that he led the league in scoring. He just said, well, there wasn't too many other people to shoot the ball on the team, so I had to take a lot of shots. But but that was kind of the, the, his sort of like demeanor. If you're sort of underplaying, as you say, everybody else knew he was taking a lot of shots, and he still averaged twenty three points a game. Yeah, yeah, couldn't I couldn't put it better. Mm. Couldn't put it better. It is, it's another, yeah, it's kind of another one of those situations whereby we have to look and work out why it is that you know, people of that heritage and, 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 and with that level of quality about them aren't more involved, haven't been more involved, aren't more celebrated, haven't been more celebrated in the sport, you know, and hopefully um, that will, that will start, that will start to change. But um, you know he is he is he is he's got, for a guy who came up from down south, mm. you know, like most of them do, they come up yeah, and yeah, yeah. leave. You know, they're gonna leave. Yeah. Um, he, he became an adopted northerner, mm. uh, um, northeasterner, and um, yeah, it's, it's desperately sad. It is. Well, let's uh, let's transition to what we normally do and talk about uh, basketball and and starting off with. Two more. Actually, sorry, just before you get yeah. to that, so following last week's um, um show, we I got heckled online on 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 oh, Twitter. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Somebody um somebody hadn't tweeted much before. Um, I think he thought it was an accusation, but I rather thought it was something of a. Oh a, yes, I did see this. Yes, I rather thought it was something of a bit of praise, really. Yeah. They said we listened to the first twenty-five minutes to find a, a man lamenting the quality of basketball in a in a pondering monotone. <laughs> Um, which, to be honest, nails it. We we probably ought to put that on our bio somewhere. Well, it may go my tombstone. Um, so yeah, so sir, you are, whoever you are, you're a hell of a judge. Um, and pondering monotone. Yeah, I like that. You know, you get your get your excitement elsewhere. Yeah. We'll do a bit of pondering. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, so let's ponder over the, the two European games that took place. Uh, London, again, another impressive win in Istanbul against Besiktas, but a, a tough night for for Caledonia against uh, Anvil, which makes it a, a difficult road now for them to qualify. Yeah, hell of a win for London, kind of separating. That is a, you know, it's, you, you're stuck on a Tuesday night, that is a tough place to go. Um, and they are sep- they are separating themselves in the top four, which is the first thing you have to do in that group. Obviously, Paris was seven and zero, I think. But apart from that, um, you know they have every chance of getting themselves into the higher spots, which is most important. Mm. And I watched more of their game than I did of Caledonia's, mm. um, and I thought they they played really well. Obviously, they're still playing without Decker. They're playing without Tariq Philip in this game. Um, yeah, Luke Nelson stepped up. You know, we we always we all the Americans and all the the stars, but you know we we tend to forget just how good Luke Nelson is, um, because he's coming off the bench, um, but he's showing he's showing he's a, he's a Euro Cup player, and um, I I just thought the way they they, they carried themselves in the game was really impressive, um, and Olshani is just beasting teams, you know, in Europe and the BBL. I mean, he's playing it. Maybe that I don't know. I hadn't followed him carefully in Europe in the past, but I'm not sure he can ever play at a higher level than he's playing at the moment, mm. because he's efficient, he's effective, but also he's moving the ball. So he's kind of getting his assists off the short roll and finding the shooters, and you can see that they're really they're really together. Caledonia, you kind of saw it coming. I think I think it may have been better for them if they played the first game against Anwil away. Mm. I think they 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 caught Anvil um at home. Um it's a low scoring game. They, you know, and I don't think the Poles were quite ready for them. But when you get into that gym and you look at the size of the gym that they were playing in in Poland, um, there's no question that they were going to be ready for that game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and and whilst Caledonia competed, um the reality is that that's still a high budget team. Who's expecting to win that competition or come very close? Then mm. they had to beat them by more than three, and they knew that. Mm. And I thought that they, um, you know, they, they played with a ferocity which was far greater than their previous game that they played yeah. against. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So let's move to the uh, British Basketball League game starting on Friday. Bristol Flies sixty-eight, Manchester Giants seventy-four. They're obviously without Lucas. And Johnson, but have brought in CJ Jackson to cover for one of the other of them. Uh, and he was straight into the starting lineup, which we, we don't see very often and doesn't usually work very well to throw a point no. guard straight into the starting lineup. Um, Ollison, 10 early points, Lee and Lewis, threes tied at 14, even start. Yeah, yeah. So I always used to tell me that if a team has a new player, they would lose. And I said, yeah. I'm sure that's not statistically right. Yeah. Um, but more than more often than not, it is very, very difficult to integrate a new player to play a significant minutes in the middle of the season. Um, CJ Jackson obviously was at Leicester at the beginning of last year. Decent, decent numbers in Sweden. He's played. You know, he's been around. He can clearly play. I think he was Ohio State with Loving. I think. Um, so he's you know he's clearly got a pedigree, but he didn't look that healthy last year. No, um, and he didn't really make a shot last year, if I remember rightly. Um, and um, you know he's he's probably available, so it's not certainly not a bad pickup. He's certainly got the kind of the pedigree to play in the league. Um, but 
it's tough because you're starting you're having to learn a new team and more importantly the rest of the team is having to learn you because mm. you've got the ball in the hands mm. you're ball in the hands most of the time um in the meantime manchester are kind of persistent with the nick lewis point guard experiment with three american point guards on the bench um or with they start with harrison and anderson and roberton's back as well mm. so it was kind of, this was a bizarre game it's mm. a mad game mm. i mean the um bristol were there and they were ready to put Manchester away, and Manchester looked like they were ready to be put away. Yeah. Um. And no one, and they didn't. And gradually, Bristol's offense, basically, in, in the second quarter, right, went down, went down the pan, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. They couldn't they couldn't get a look? They couldn't make a shot. I think. Um. All of a sudden, for the first time, I thought showed a little bit of weariness. You mm. know, you know, he wasn't quite playing with the same pep, and he didn't quite have his. Um, in the second half of that game, he didn't quite have his, his shot going, and then Jacob had to go off with an ankle. Yeah, so, ankle so they had an eight, 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 eight over run mid second quarter to 33 19. They were pretty comfortable, and then mid third quarter, Jacob made a three, and then there, there was a timeout, and he walked straight into the locker room. He came back, he didn't look to be moving right yeah. when he came back, and he hobbled out again in the fourth quarter and, and and came back again but it just he was clearly hampered by what i assume to be an ankle given the way he was yeah. limping he, he didn't he never looked right with it that's um, right and manchester had depth of course mm. manchester one thing they do have is depth they've got like 11 players now mm. you know Callum's the 11th player and he's not a bad 11th player they kind of have mm. um which meant that they could throw bodies at at bristol which bristol didn't really have mm. Uh, 14 minutes ago, 59-44, uh, but Flyers scored just one basket, a, a breakaway dunk as well from Jacob in the next 11 minutes. It was 29-2. to I was going to ask you about that stab because I knew it was something like that. Yeah. You know, and, and it just it was just that, you know, I suppose it's what happens, you would say, when they, the, the shots don't go in and they haven't yeah. got the piece to rebound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because offensive rebounding, you need the energy need to bring the energy and um Manchester had more bodies so Manchester able and Manchester got some big bodies as well who they're throwing in and so Manchester were able to look after the glass so Bristol weren't getting that many second chance um, opportunities in well, their offense. 12 died. offensive rebounds four second chance points yeah yeah it just died um and Manchester to be fair they kept doing what they do um they made plays um, at both ends, I don't know if they quite thought they were going to win themselves until they kind of got to that point where there was like a tipping point within that run. Mm. Um, there was the, the dynamic there is just utterly weird. I have no clue what's going on on the bench. Mm. Um, I was waiting for this. Yeah, I don't. What I don't understand was Paul Campbell was standing up at times. He was kneeling on the thing on the sidelines at times, and. The assistant coach has to sit down, doesn't he? Well, well somebody has it. somebody has to be sat down. Has to sit down yeah, I mean, you can't have second... two people not on the bench. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because I mean, Bristol's one of the few places where you haven't got advertising in front. Yeah, of you. yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind, it's kind of an open. You're only like two feet from the court. Three yeah, feet, yeah. And there's no boards in front of you to kind of restrict your movement. Um, so it's difficult. But no, I'm not sure what the refs were actually were actually doing about it. it was, but the, I no, suppose the refs, if there was an advertising board and he was kneeling down behind it, that wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but literally, I mean, it was um the, the, the what was bizarre about it was that there was literally no acknowledgement between the two of them. You know, I didn't see 
any discussions between the two of them. I didn't see, even at the end, when they're, they're high-fiving each other, I didn't see any kind of, yeah, good job or whatever between the two of them. Um, it was just like they almost, they almost had two entirely separate head coaches. Now I might be totally wrong about that. Yeah. But when I was, you know, obviously I was an assistant for a long time and I had the role standing up for a lot of it. You know, the, the fundamental rule was you don't do anything which might in any way um, contradict or, or send a mixed message in relation to what the head coach is saying. Mm. Now, if you looked at, if you watched that, then Cantwell would be the head coach. If you're watching the sideline, Cantwell would be the head coach because he was actually more um, impactful. He was, he was more more um, involved. He just more gesticulations, more movements um, than than Simonian was. Um, and and as I say, what the, aside from the refs who were clearly happy, and I mean, uh, you know, on one hand they're clearly happy for the two two people to be stood up, and then then Manchester play a game on Sunday, and and, and Brian Simonian gets a technical for tapping his wrist, you know, side of the floor, the side of the court, and what's going on at Bristol is yeah. is literally there's a coach, there's some horses, there's the room, <laughs> you know. But but more than that, as I say, um, you know, my the impression, it's an impression that I get from watching it, is that there's just no interaction between them. So I don't see that as sustainable. I think it has, you know, there has to be a degree, there has to be some sustainable. Players have to know where the, where the messages are coming from and who's giving them their minutes and who's not. Um, against all of that, they went in a 29 run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. So, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. It's really an unusual an unusual setup at the moment. But it's a league run club and obviously the league's still looking for someone to take over and they don't, I imagine, have that much clarity in relation to their ownership and everything like that. And so, you know, players just going up there and, and playing. And to be fair, the players played hard. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. And Bristol didn't score for the first eight minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, so, Ollison, 26 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Uh, Jacob, oh. yeah. I'm thinking of the wrong game then because dear me, he must. He, I thought he was struggling. <laughs> the, Jacob, uh, it must have been the second game. Jacob, seventeen, uh, fly shot, thirty-nine percent. I've already mentioned the rebounding. Yeah, uh, Lewis, oh. seven of twelve for twenty-three points. Uh, Lee, nineteen points. Anderson, fourteen points and eight uh, rebounds. Uh, I mean, should be added that I mean Lee does add a lot of yeah to, to that team. Um, because the one thing they didn't really have any consistently was a was a stretch four, mm. and the stretch four is possibly the most important player on the court. They had Jamel play in that spot, but again, you know, if he's able to now guard and play the three, it makes things a little bit easier. And William Lee is, you know, he what he is long and he can shoot, mm. you know, and, 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 drop, and going to Bristol in your second game back and dropping twenty on them, yeah, um, yeah. indicates his significance. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Sheffield Sharks, 91, Leicester Riders, 84. Obviously, Leicester had uh, announced they'd released Bridges, uh, I think it was that day, maybe the day before. Uh, Glasgow, um, Rodney Glasgow was trailed as uh, returning for this game. He was on the score sheet, but he didn't come on. Uh, early stages of this game, Leicester missing shots, turning the ball over. I, I mean, in some ways, Sheffield were up six, but could have been more. Yeah, I mean... Um... Obviously, Leicester started Walker mm. um, with with Bridges gone. Um, they've obviously had to make a decision between they've decided they can't carry three centres because Ado was been playing the centre as well. So it was obviously you know it was pretty much going to be Walker or Bridges. I would have thought, and they've they've taken the view that 
um, Bridges, despite his probably highest ever field goal percentage for a player cut halfway through the season, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is didn't give them enough of the stuff that they needed um, going forward. Um, my thought about that was well, that's that's a coach's decision. That's fine. You know, he has to decide to do what he thinks is best for the team. But obviously, they made a big store of kind of starting the five rookies mm. um, and putting them all in together, throwing them out there, putting them in the fire, whatever you want to call it. And Pinson in this game in particular, um, Asbury to a lesser degree, but Pinson in particular was way off mm. when he started. He was just not there mentally. And you know that these guys aren't just teammates on the court. They're, they, you know, if you're five, you're, you're going to gravitate towards your guys and if you have five guys coming in the same situation, you're going to gravitate to, together. Um, and it just struck me, and watching it, it struck me kind of the unintended consequence of you release one, then the other one doesn't feel great about it because they're so young, because they're not hardened in the way of professional basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that can have a, a negative impact on I think on pin on on the others. And I thought it did on Pinson and Asbury. And I thought it had the opposite on Holmes and, mm. and, and Thomas, who were excellent. Mm. Um, and I think Pinson came out early and Mackenzie had to come in um, simply simply because, um, as I say, I don't think he was there. And then, you know, Leicester ended up again playing better with that bench unit in mm. than they did with, with the starting five. And it's kind of tough because... It's kind of tough for someone like Bridges or for someone like Pinson or whoever because they've all been thrown together as starters. You know, you, you could have done it a different way. You could have you could have had McKenzie starting one of these guys coming off the bench. You could have had Walker starting Bridges coming off the bench to learn it, play against the opposition second string, that type of thing. But obviously, they wanted to see what they had. You know, and, and make that judgment, and you see what you have, they have by by throwing them out there. And and I think ultimately they got to the point this week whereby the Kind of the the rookie quote marks experiment or necessity on costs. One assumes it's a cost thing. Um, kind of, kind of failed. Mm. Um, against that, you know, Sheffield are good at home, and unless they ran them, you know, they kept coming. They didn't stop. Yeah, yeah. They got, they got great games out of Thomas and um and, and Holmes, um, who are the two who've kind of seemed to have the most mental fortitude about them in the games that they played, you know, not being as high and low. Um, and Connor came in and Connor did what Connor does to keep him close. But Sheffield overall, I mean, Ramsey's re Ramsey really has stepped up. You know, defensively, um, he is the, the clearly the leader of that team. Nixon came off the bench and it was a setting game, so you can see a little bit more. And he's a bit chippy. He, you know, he's willing to get into you. He's 6'3", six, 6'4". And can score just about enough to, to keep them going. And Leicester aren't the hardest team to score on, which meant that um, Cook, bit Cook, to be fair, probably, I wouldn't say he dominated Walker, but he certainly had the better of the exchange. Mm. And Walker's only just started playing back, so suddenly he's going from playing five minutes a game to suddenly starting, and that's tough. Mm. So Thomas kept Leicester hanging about, as you said. Um, they, didn't, they still didn't quite look crisp enough I thought Sheffield with an 11-2 run in the second quarter out to a 11 point lead 42-33 Leicester got it down to two late in the third quarter and then Pipkins steals the ball in the backcourt heaves it from his own foul line and, and hits a three to make it 
That was that was just brutal for Leicester's perspective. Because, you know, they, they never got over the hump in this game. And that was kind of the point whereby they might have got over the hump at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Mm. The momentum that gave them. Pipkins was very good. You know, I mean, Sheffield are what they are, you know. If if you don't present the right um fortitude against them, if you don't present the right mentality against them, they will score on you. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to meet, and you, I think Leicester helped them with all the turnovers as well. Yeah, they gave exactly. them the cheap points that they don't yeah, and, always they, get. Yeah, and that's which is why they got to 91. Mm. And they didn't really, you know, uh, I think meet them enough. They didn't play like a team that had a tremendous amount of belief in each other. Um, Leicester, the one thing I will say, um, it struck us watching it. Kimball, um, Kimball is the coming off the bench. I don't know if he's going to start in the future, but coming off the bench. His ability to get people to commit dumb fouls 35 feet from the basket when they're in the penalty mm. is utterly unrivaled. I mean, he, you know, with a, a 90% foul shooter, mm. every game. I'm tell, we used to, there's a guy at Sheffield um, called BJ Holmes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, BJ Holmes. Yeah. And I remember it used to be the first thing on my scouting report mm. every time we played, because he nearly beat us to win the league that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other two years, and the first thing on the scouting report was, do not give him free foul shots yeah, yeah, yeah. Us because you would watch games and they would get like four to six points, eight points a game yeah. just on just on drawing people in fouls when you're in the penalty. It's a massive thing. Kimball does that really well. But against that, the other thing that comes to mind in this game is that there's a disease in Sheffield because halfway through the first quarter, Pipkin shot a foul shot and we had the camera behind the basket. And he was he was over the line well before the ball comes even comes into shot. Right. And there was somebody else later on who got a bit of a telling off off the ref. Um, not a telling off, but kind of you be careful type of comment off the ref. And then there was another there was another one where they called it stepping in the lane, I think, at some point. And I remember thinking to myself, we do not referee the foul line very well in this country. No, 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 no. You know, we do we just don't. It's almost like the 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 the, the, the in early ones are kind of generally random because generally everybody's in early. So, you know, or, or, you know. And, and, and referring the foul line is not great, but um, the game itself, you no, know, they kept coming back. Thomas kept Thomas kept playing. Mackenzie was driving them, and um, but Sheffield and Ramsey in particular, I thought really were and Adikoye as well. To be fair, um, weren't going to let them lose that game. Yeah. Uh, so Ramsey twenty-two points, Pipkin seven of eight uh, shooting, uh, yeah. including one from seventy feet for seventeen points. Uh, Cook. 14 points and eight rebounds, 23 points off turnovers they had. Leicester had four, just as a comparison uh, of the two. Uh, mm. Thomas, 21 points, eight of 12 shooting, 11 rebounds, home 16. Mackenzie and Law both had 13 points apiece. Law is interesting because he, he, you get the impression he's a guy, I think I said it before, he's a guy you could build around. Mm-hmm. He's he's been kind of a bit lost in the shuffle with all the minutes, and he's been had injury as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to be a really interesting case to be going forward because they'll not be happy being six and seven. No. And there's rumours out today about well, there's Instagram posts out today about you know the 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 um uptake in transatlantic flights etc. Mm. And um, you know, the, so there's going to be a, a little bit of a, a reshuffle. Mm. Yeah, outside of Sunak's cabinet. Yeah. And, um, let's just hope that it's not David Cameron they're bringing in. 
You know, I mean, that's, who would it be? Who could it be? 19, Cameron, Cameron Rundles. Let's pull that. Cameron there. Rundles. There, there's, there's my link. Thinking Brandon Clark. Cameron yeah. Rundles. Seriously, though, they probably they're, they're probably short short of a vet mm. or two, a vet American or two. It's very difficult to have five young Americans playing next to each other because they've got to talk to somebody and they're going to talk to the people they know who've had the same experiences and. So if you've got someone who's been out three or four years, then they can say, well, actually, so, you know, just come over here, just, you know, don't do that, just do that, you know. Um, so they've got an interesting um, set of decisions to make as well. Yeah. Uh, and assuming it's all true, I'm slightly yeah. surprised by some of the responses I've seen, given that it is a team at six and seven, not yeah. 14 and two. Well, I do think I do think though that you know this is hopefully something that we've tried to disabuse people of in this with this podcast, those who can handle the pondering monotone. Yeah. Um, is that you know it's not about the players that they make; it's the players that they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not about the offensive. You, you, you're going for twenty-three, one game in three. Yeah, yeah. A fantastic kind of block on you know that that doesn't win ultimately in the league that we're in now, where there are there are no. No, no, no marks and no fool. Yeah, 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 Consistency yeah. wins. Yeah. Um, and it's the lack of con- and, and people don't necessarily see the lack of consistency. What they see is they see the great players or the big games. Yeah. But even Myron Thomas, you know, he he, had a, he he was pretty awful in the last game. Couldn't get yeah. into the game. So he's come back. He's bounced back. He had a bounce yeah, back yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens with young guys. Yeah. Um, and all as a coach, all you can kind of do is to to look into their eyes and try and or look into what they're doing when they're practicing and when they when you're not when they don't think you're watching mm. and figure out whether these are people who you can that you think have a realistic prospect of, of of being consistent enough to help you win. Um, and that was my obviously it's the emotion thing, you know. The thing with Asbury is you know we 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 saw the flaws with them, we saw the emotion. Just like with, with with the thing with Green at Newcastle, just like Green at Newcastle, but Pinson didn't really see that as much. Mm. Um, so you know maybe he's impacted by you know, he's got a heck of a resume. He shot the ball well. He's he's played some games like he's the best point guard in the league. Someone who shall be nameless called him Baby Gino after about two and a half games. Indeed, um, it was after half a game, I think. Though. Half a game, but um, but ultimately. You know, it's 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 it, it, it's such an adjustment. The mentality is—it's all about the mentality, and yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. easy. You know, and um, they've got like four. If, if Asbury and Pinson's Instagram is correct, they've now got four four US spots yeah. to fill. Um, assume that they've probably negotiated some stuff. Some of them will pay off because they're out of the cut-off time, and they'll have the opportunity to to kind of look at who's available in the, in the US market and try and. Maybe find a couple more proven guys. You also have Connor Washington and Kimball McKenzie. Mm. You know, so, so you can get by with that backcourt. And in fact, yeah. there's an argument to say the more that backcourt plays, the better they might be. Well, the, the plus minus uh, of the starters and the bench this year, I think, would underline that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Newcastle Eagles 98, Plymouth City Patriots 82. No Mason Faulkner. I couldn't find out why he was not. He was there. Uh, he, he was, was there. there but I he was know. there. He just, I think. He, I think to be fair, if you remember, he didn't play the last, basically most of the second half. Yeah, again. he didn't. You're right. And I so. said PJ giving up on him, so that was clearly unfair. This is an injury report. Is helpful. Shout out to who is it? Cheshire always put out who's inactive, and London put out who's inactive. The rest of you need to up your game so that. Uh, wait, Bristol. Bristol put out a press release. People need to put out something on Twitter 
on and around the games and says, this guy isn't playing because of this injury, so I can write it down for this podcast. I agree, and I think it should be a league rule, but there you go. You know, also all registration should be on a league website and should be available for all to see, so we know who's playing, mm. who's signed on. Um, but yeah, but he was there. He just, I didn't, he wasn't doing a boot or anything like that. So mm. one assumes it's, and, and, and to be honest, the vibe around Plymouth was quite good. Mm. Actually, I wasn't sure what I would find. They'd just come off a 25 point blowout and they've ended up on the bus for, for eight and a half hours. Um, but I thought the vibe about them was quite good. Um, they actually out hustled Network Newcastle for at least the first half of this game. Mm. Um, they probably should have been up at the end of the first half. Um, they, they had, I think, nine or ten offensive rebounds in the first quarter. Um, I was pretty frustrated with watching the Eagles actually because I thought they were, um, well, they were playing with like a team that had just beaten that team by 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and sometimes you, you've got to match the. The, the, the kickback you're going to get from that. I thought, um, obviously, having the ball in his hands a lot helped them. Um, he still hasn't got his scoring back, but he, he looked like he was able to find his guys and run the team. Um, and they didn't shoot the ball very well. If they'd shot the ball better, um, I think the game would have been a lot closer, but they didn't. And that was kind of the problem. They had to rely on offensive rebounds. And that's not going to happen the whole game because eventually, you know, Stuart was going to tell his team that they need to up and get a rebound. Well, the one exception to that was uh, Terrell Green, who did knock down some shots. He did, but that was the same rule. That was the same as always. You know, he missed his first one, which was open. He missed his second one, which was open. You give him a shoot, there three open looks, and they're going to start going down. Mm. And it was a lack of, I thought a lack of respect that Newcastle showed, but no, he did. I mean, to be fair, he came out and he made some plays. And then around the halftime break, Levi 4, Wiley 4, Plymouth had eight in a row. Early third quarter, got into the lead 50-51. But uh, Johnson, four-point play, put Eagles uh, back in front. And then they had a 7-0 run to move it out to 69-56. Uh, and that was basically it. Yeah, well, what happened was um, at the end of that, Mark took Whitfield in the four out and he put Delpesh and Ward Hibbert in um, after about three minutes in the second quarter. Third quarter, sorry. And um, that made a massive difference. Ward Hibbert was undoubtedly... I mean, Donald Johnson had 24 points, 13 assists and all that, but I thought Ward Hibbert won the, was the difference maker in both games this weekend. Um, he ran the court, he, he, he knocked down shots, but he got to the rim. He, he played like a pro, was meant to play, you know, and getting him in early in the third quarter, I thought, sparked that run. That then sparked Johnson. And Johnson's a little kind of... Fireball, you know, if, if if you're playing NBA Jam, he would be the guy who's constantly on fire. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's stuff going on. He's flying around. He's he's in the crowd. He's he has this like almost a running back mentality. A little bit like goes, but more athletic off one foot. This and he made a layup in the right in front of me in the third quarter, whereby he jumped, hung in the air, took the contact, literally, and kind of the other guy went down. He stayed there. And kind of muscled and forced it up, and he makes more of those plays. I checked the stats um, after the game or after Saturday's game. He has ninety-five made foul shots this season, and nobody else has more than sixty-two. Mm. You know, so that's that's a massive gap um, in massive disparity. Given that their all teams are around the same level, that's you know, you know, basically fifty percent more foul shots than anybody else. Mm. Um, so he kind of took over the game, and. Once Newcastle got ahead in the third quarter, that was kind of the game. Yeah, yeah. The guards were too good. The guards were able to control it. McGill 
I'm beginning to like McGill. <laughs> really, no, that's harsh. I do. I I admire McGill because he's got a hell of a, He's got a lot of game. Mm. Probably the, the one of the true ambidextrous point guards we've seen in this league. He goes right. He goes left. He finishes with both hands. Long time since I can remember seeing him, but he's good with both hands. As him, um, his issue is his sloppiness, his turnovers. Rowe pointed them out, but some of the players he makes are worth paying money to watch because he throws passes you don't see, and um. Uh, you know, he, he, he is, there's so many elite things. Um, You just feel that he should be more elite overall. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, But then in, in Plymouth, they kept going, but outside of Green making shots, I think they had 47 points in the first half, maybe 33 yeah. in the second half, something like that. Outside of Green making shots, the, the, and without fault, they had to kind of give them that extra kind of scoring jive. Um, they weren't they, they weren't close in the fourth no, quarter. No, it's really got away from them. Johnson, twenty four points, thirteen assists. Uh, Josh Ward Hibbert, nineteen points, nine rebounds. Uh, Todd Green, fifteen points, seven rebounds, twenty two points off turnovers. Uh, Newcastle. Uh, Terrell Green, twenty three points, seven of fourteen shooting outward, five of seven for fifteen points, ten rebounds, six assists. Uh, Levi, seven of seven for fourteen. Points five rebounds, but they were six of twenty-four from three. Can it? Can it figure out Atwood? Because I've said it from the beginning of the season, he he is clearly capable in every area. Um, but so much, so many of his, but he doesn't have a presence on the court that you see. Mm. You know, he kind of drifts around. He scores the ball when he wants, but you, you don't see him kind of scoring eight in a row or put them up ten at a big time in the game. You know. I'd like to see, you know, he, he is most likely their most talented player, certainly the most talented scorer. And you'd like to see him have a little bit more of that that ego, which is right, I need the ball now at this time in the post, give me the ball. They've gone on a 7-0 run or an 8-0 run, I need the ball. And you just don't kind of see that from, now from a coach's perspective. It's nice because PJ can rely on him to be consistent. Mm. But if he's not consistently doing stuff when it matters, and he's like, you know, he's kind of a floor setter as opposed to a ceiling raiser. Mm. He's going to give you this amount every game, but is he going to raise the ceiling when you really need it to win games? So the, I think there's more to come from him. Levi, yeah, Levi played hard and, and, and ran the screen. And he had, you know, I know you guys made a joke about, oh, LBC had all those assists because he was throwing it to Rashad. Um, but, you know, he, he Levi was seven to seven because obviously he was throwing in the ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you know, in the screen, getting in the ball where he wants it. You know, he's a, he's a really solid guard to have as a big guy, provided you're going to play hard. Um, there was also a category for there was a possibility of a candidate for the worst shot of the season. Um, Yassi Pepin came in in the second quarter. Um, I think probably about his fourth possession he was in, caught the ball, one pass, jacked up with three off the from the top of the key. Which hit the backboard first, and my meeting on Newcastle got a layup, and, and PJ called the timeout. But immediately he shot the ball. My look went to the to the five hundred winning coach <laughs> on the sideline, who who indicated um, via his um, expression that he wasn't overly impressed. Yeah. And I don't think um, the gentleman got back in the game after that. Yeah. No, um, so yeah, it was it was an okay game. It was probably a game which was. You know, worthy of a bit of pondering monotone. Yeah. <laughs> so let's ponder monotonely on to Saturday. Uh, sorry, Scorchers. Not a monotone. 
Surrey Scorchers 82, Bristol Flyers 73. Robinson back for the Scorchers, uh, having which was got his own little thing, double picture, him and Hunt, but I think it was. Uh, some no, Gooden, uh, who was out, obviously. Um, Hunt had nine, I say Hunt, he had nine of an 11 2 run. Uh, 17-8 lead. It's slightly scrappy opening start to the game, but Surrey often, very often, start well and have an early lead. Obviously, you've got you've got Surrey with the benefit of the back-to-back because Bristol are coming off it. Bristol are also down players and they've got a new point guard. This, I apologise for before, this was the game where I kind of felt a bit for Ollison because I thought his, his, the load he carried just began just to crumple his shoulders a little bit in this game. Um, and Surrey basically did everything they were meant to do in the first quarter, in the first half. The start, I think Wang started at the point guard again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your ultimate yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no type of point guard. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, wow, what a play. You know, this guy should be in the NBA. Wow, what a play. This guy should be playing Division Three. you know. Yeah. Um, you just, there's so much there to work with. Mm. Um, I'm not sure... You know, he's he's mid-20s now, I, I guess, and he's been to America and played in college. So I'm not sure if he's ever going to quite get it. But, I mean, that would be his ultimate position. He could be. He has he shows the signs of being, actually being more impactful as a, a kind of a screen role creator than anything else because he's not really a, a great standstill shooter and it's going to be difficult to change that now. But you give him the ball in his hands and, and space the court and he's a tough cover. And um, when he's not throwing the ball at the opposition. Yeah. In the, uh, yeah. And in the first half, he did a pretty good job. And then they had the advantage of, as you say, of bringing in um, Lawrence and, and Robinson. And um, Lawrence is really good. Um, and Lawrence just kind of comes and goes a little bit, you know. Um, I noticed his dad was there, I think, because I saw, saw some Instagrams from his dad, saying, oh, what a good job, etc. And... Um, and Bristol just looked beat. Mm. They, looked, they looked battered. They looked a little bit mentally. They didn't get. There's a few calls they didn't get. To be honest, in, in this well, the, game. the the start I've got on that. First of all, Hunt uh, again. He had 16 points uh, midway through the second quarter, and at that point it was 39, 37, 19. So he had 16, and Bristol had 19. But the start I've got on the on the fouls and the free throws that you're talking about is. Uh, Surrey were 13 or 14 from the free throw line before Bristol took a free throw. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of that comes from not having a step and being, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. not played the night before. But I just thought they got a couple of, you know, and there's a couple of, you know, proper Kapula's faces in this game. And I had some sympathy with them for them. I can, to be honest, I can't remember the call. I'm not going to turn around and say that was a bad call. I can't remember them. I watched too much too much number of games, but I do remember Andreas's reaction. I do remember thinking mm. at the time, yeah, okay, you know, that's you know, we're not getting that call down there. I think it may, might have been when one of the guards went and got absolutely cleaned out as they were shooting a layup and right in front of the Bristol bench. And you saw it from the back of the back line camera and it was, you got cleared out. And that was a no call. And then up the other end, someone gets called um, for something. But, you know, Bristol don't normally give up, you know, 16 points to an opposition big guy. It doesn't happen. You know, they, they're, they're quite disciplined in that way and, and defending the rim. And they just, I just think they, maybe they felt a little bit sorry for themselves. But also, you know, outside of the um, the occasional sub, the occasional abnormal incident, which we'll come on to later, you know, 
the dice are loaded. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dice are you can't be playing at nine o'clock. You're playing, you're playing, you're finishing a game at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, and then you have to get in the on the bus. Friday and, night. Sorry, I beg your pardon, on a Friday night, then you have to get on the bus and drive and play a game at what was it, five o'clock? Uh, five o'clock, yeah. yeah, yeah. Five o'clock. I mean, that's that's there's no recovery time at all. Um, there's barely time to, to get a, to get a, a reasonable night's sleep. How you deal with nutrition in those circumstances is going to be tough because you, you can't really eat that much after the game on Saturday night. You know, it's eleven o'clock, or you don't want to be eating anything which is not going to fit with you because you know you're going to be back on the court in about fourteen hours. Mm. And then you've got to do the drive. It's Bristol, sorry, it's not the worst drive in the world. But I'm guessing it's a couple of hours. Mm. And um, uh, and again, you've got to make sure you're, you're fed and you're ready. And also you're on demand and you've got a new point guard. Mm. So this, it isn't a good look that that week, that those, that 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 game couldn't have taken place at a slightly different time. It isn't. Um, the, the Scorchers were up to 20 at half time. The difference in the shooting, uh, 7 of 16 versus 1 of 12 from three-point mm-hmm. range. 17 of 20 versus 7 of 12 from free throws, which kind of yeah, and I am um, the legs, doesn't it? And I yeah, it's absolutely in the legs. I did I uh, sent your text halfway through, didn't I? Saying what's the number, what's the percentages for three-point shooting of teams on the second? Yeah. yeah 24% yeah. back 24 um oh, back to back. It wasn't that much. It was only a couple of points below. I think yeah, you said it was, yeah. about thirty-five. You take out London, as I just take out London, and about thirty-two or thirty-five. But you know that's three-point shots, and you're you're probably going to be working on the same from inside the arc. Um, that doesn't you know it can make six to eight point difference in the game. Um, and yet what happened was Andreas lit into them at halftime and told them to stop stop feeling sorry for themselves. Yeah, at least yeah. that's my real, that was my understanding of what I saw in the third quarter. And to be fair, sorry. So he came out, out Lloyd, Lloyd took Wang out the start and lane because he had three fouls. And I thought that was over cautious. Um, because at the end of the day, if he picks up his fourth foul, and you've still got Lawrence and Robinson on the bench. And you've been playing so well at the beginning of the game, and he probably needs a little bit of confidence to do them. So I thought that was unnecessary. And I think that gave um Bristol a little bit of um momentum yeah jacob making shots reeling them in then graham bell uh got it down to 58 51 with three and a half uh to go and you're starting to think oh no here goes sorry again but Steele steadied the ship with five points got it back out to 13 and that was kind of the way it played out smith made yeah, it yeah i mean well, it is, you know what it's like you know making yeah. you know make one run is hard the second run is harder mm. You know, once you make that first run, you're going to get a reaction, unless it's Manchester the night before. Mm. Um, you're going to get a reaction from them, mm. and um, they did, and, and Bristol didn't have enough shooting. Um, so, sorry, try to help them get back in with some needless turnovers later yeah. on. To be fair, yeah. yeah. Um, but you never had the impression they were going to, did you? No. Well, no. there was part of me. If it wasn't sorry, I wouldn't sorry. have that impression. Is having watched a lot of sorry. Uh, yeah. But they always had enough in reserve, even with those extra turnovers. Corey Samuels only played six minutes in this game, you know? So they're putting a lot of weight on CJ Jackson mm. to kind of make plays, make shots. And, he, and they are such a team whereby they need to get scoring from various different areas because they're not they're not a team that kind of shares the ball to get the very best shot every single time. No. 
you know, they have scorers. They have guys who get the ball to score. So that's Allison, that's Jacob, and that was Lucas and um, and Johnson. Obviously, he was injured as well. Um, so you know, with with all of that said, um, they're going to struggle to to fit in kind of more systematic point guard into their system. Hunt, 22 points, 8 of 10, shooting 7 rebounds. Lawrence, 17 points, 8 assists, steal 12. They were 10 of 28 from 3, 24 of 20, 20 of 24 from free throws, and they had 18 points off turnovers. Uh, Jake, yeah, sorry? Hunt was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacob, 22, 8 rebounds. Uh, Graham Bell, 12 points. Green, 12 points. They had 17 offensive rebounds in this one, but only 6 second chance points. Uh, and shot 39% again. Uh, so let's go to the fun and games of Caledonia Gladiators 73, Newcastle Eagles 82. Uh, Johnson scoring, Ali Hodgett six in a row, not much in it in the early stages. Gladiators just about edging it on the on the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah, this was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at my, my pondering monitor now. Um, <laughs> This was, a, I mean, yeah, this was a, ultimately this was a, a great game, and not just because Newcastle won it, um, but because it was one of the few games this season where you actually felt there was something on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, to be fair, the, the Caledonia, the 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 venue looked sounded great. Mm. You know, there was a there was a fair few travelling fans. It sounded had... like the people making all the noise were underneath the camera and it looked yeah. like the people who weren't making much noise were in front of the camera so it sounded yeah. a bit weird but uh, but yeah as you say there were drums it looked like it, it looked like it's an environment it looked like yeah, a party yeah, yeah. pre um forbearer to um the kelvin hall and yeah, yeah, not yeah. Head, but certainly kelvin hall and even the the quarry down in edinburgh all those yeah, years yeah. Ago. yeah 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 um and it just it just had the environment, and they don't play yeah. the silly, no silly music playing, and and you know, and then the crowds into it, and, and as, you, as you as you so wonderfully pointed out, it's the dandy, it's the jocks and the Jordies. Mm-hmm. and um, which is to be honest, it's still Newcastle's biggest rivalry, mm. even though we had all those games with Leicester, yeah, um, you know, which you, you face as kind of you know head head win championships. The Glasgow games were always the ones which, um, and I'm sure from Glasgow's perspective as well, because yeah. it, it was always the biggest rivalry. There was always an edge. Yeah. Um, the, the, the crowds. The Charles always... Smith, the Charles Smith derby. <laughs> Charles Smith derby, yeah. We weren't allowed to lose because Charles wouldn't have spoken to us for a month. Um, and, you know, and, and, and but there was something about the geographical proximity because look, every time. Caledonia, Glasgow, playing a away game. It's four four hours away, apart from Newcastle. Mm. <laughs> you know, so it, there is. It, it's not local in any normal sense of the word, but in reality, there is a local kind of thing there. And then you throw in the the Jordan Johnson thing because he mm. obviously he played quite a successful year for Caledonia, but they chose Glasgow two years ago. They chose one assumes they chose not to bring him back, but he didn't go back anyway. So there's that. Then you add in kind of the subplot, which is. They haven't played each other yet, mm. which is a big thing because we've seen we watch far too many games of teams who played each other three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. really have. It, uh, you know, but this is this teams played each other in pre-season and haven't played each other since. And it's Saturday night in Glasgow or in Cal in West East Kilbride, sorry. And um, you know, it, it appeared to be a game, a game that both teams were really kind of 
loved into. Yeah. And Caledonia started really well, um, primarily because Newcastle's they picked Newcastle's defense apart. Um, it'd been high screen and roll, and um, Newcastle's help defense was not there. So you know, Defoe, uh, um, Debose was able to draw Defoe to the ball, and at which point, somebody on the weak side is meant to come in and and, and take Ali Hodzic and, and and bump the cut there, or you prevent him catching the basketball. But Green was late doing it a couple of times. Whitfield was late, and they've got you know eight points of Farrow's got eight points of layup simply by you know running to the middle, running to the front of the rim, mm. and um. You weren't sure because everybody's expecting Newcastle to lose all the numbers say they're going to lose. Mm. Um, the head to head numbers say they were definitively going to lose. Mm. To be honest, the last time they played a a proper, a, 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 I say Plymouth, 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 but you know, the week before that, they played at Leicester on the road and they got destroyed mm. and looked like you know they hadn't spoken to each other, gave up 112 points. and to be frank, didn't look like they really cared that much in that game. You know, they got run off the court by Leicester. So, um, you know, the bit of up and down scoring, a bit of hair and scare and play going too fast for themselves. And then Caledonia come in and, and score the last like nine points of the first quarter. And we're all kind of thinking, well, that's the game, really. Yeah, yeah. Paliza, Whelan, Johnson, threes. It was a 17-5 run I've got to go from 17-17 to 34-22. And as you say, at that point, I thought, oh, that's probably the end of the excitement, but immediately Green, McGill, Neighbour, 15-2 uh, response and, and and in the lead, 36-37. Yeah, it's kind of the two, which was the thing. They, they managed to find a way of, of getting some stops and and actually Newcastle are a good matchup for Caledonia because they're very different, the, the, particularly the two guards and the third one of Austin's back. The quickness that they have is something that Caledonia really don't have. Caledonia are... are are a bigger team. They're a stronger team. They're a more systematic team. They get the they get the points. Use the phrase playing the right way. You know they throw the ball into. You know they the, get them where they're expected to get them. Get them where they're expected to get them. They're the right play. You know, police will be. You know which shots they're going to be shooting. Mm. Maybe Whelan is their 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 kind of their wild card. Yeah, he can attack the rim. He can pull up. You know, he's the X, he's kind of their X factor. But the rest of them are all pretty much. You know, you know what you're going to get. I think. And um difficulty is you've got to be able to, at some point you've got to be able to stay in front of Johnson and McGill. Mm. And they and, and unfortunately in this case a motivated Johnson and latterly a motivated McGill. Mm. Um and that I thought let Newcastle get back into the game together with the fact that you know that if 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 you if you Newcastle at the end of the game, I think Farrow had 15 shots. You know, Ali Hodzic. And, and, and if you're looking at a shot distribution, you're going to live with that, provided he's not dunking at all. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, every shot's not a dunk. And once you take away the uncontested layups, which they did, you know, you, if you're taking the ball out of Police's hands, you're taking the ball out of Dubose's hands, you're taking the ball out of Wheelan's hands, you're going to live with making those big guys kind of beat you. Because Buttrick and um, in the second half, Ali Hodzic struggled to score. But no, it was good. Yeah, so it got good, but then it got really good, didn't it? Yeah. So five fifty four yeah. to go in the in the third quarter, and uh, Johnson drives in, and there's we didn't really see it first time around. We saw most of it in the replay, but there's a grab of the shorts by uh, uh, Onwas, and then Johnson says something back to him, and then Onwas sort of gives him the old Glasgow kiss. I was, gonna call it, I was going to call it an East Kilbride kiss. <laughs> um, 
Indeed. Um, well, obviously, when something like that happens, I, I immediately start, not immediately, but after the game, I started rewinding, looking for why it happened. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of nudginess between them at the end of the first half where Johnson's trying to get over a screen, which on what set. You know, and Johnson's kind of really little and almost doesn't even so Johnson's almost kind of climbing up over him. And there's kind of a little bit of you know shoulder there, bump off there, whatever, but nothing of any real substance. Then the play before this happens at the far end, Johnson is guarding Onwas on a switch. And again, there's a bit of physicality um early, but again, nothing you would nothing that the rest saw fit to call a foul for, and mm. probably wasn't a foul. And almost kind of backed him down and spun off and missed the layup, airballed the layup, basically. So that's clearly in his head. And then, yeah, he, and then Johnson comes down, pulls up um, to his left, as he's wont to do, um, knocks the shot down, follows it in case he, he's missing. Almost kind of grabs his, grabs his shorts. Johnson, I think, reacts with his hand. Um, and may have, he couldn't see on the camera, but he may have um, caught almost on the arm or something, saying "Get off me" or something like that. And then um, it says something, and then yeah, I don't know, you know, almost almost lost it. And you can see the reason he lost. The reason I can say he lost it is because not necessarily because of what he did, but the way that he reacted when he was on the camera afterwards, mm. <laughs> you know, blowing a kiss to yeah, the camera yeah, yeah, type yeah. of stuff. You know, that's that's someone who was like, "Whoa, whoa, they've gone." You know, mentally they've gone. Um, and when you watch it on the, they, they, when the guy's got the camera angle, they've got a great camera angle on it. You see, it's actually not just kind of head forehead to forehead, mm. you know, it's forehead to bridge of the nose, mm. you know, which is, as you say, a, a Glasgow case effectively. Mm. Um, and then Johnson, oof, he's, he's about to yeah. tee off. So he first of all, uh, he first of all goes down, obviously, after yeah. uh, after the initial incident. And then he decides he wants a little bit of retribution. So he jumps up and the natural born peacemaker that is Taj uh, Green gets hold of him, pulling him by his shirt to pull him away. And in the end, picked him up like a toddler and walked him down the other end of the call. It, um, it, yeah, I mean, we were getting into terms of the magic roundabout, weren't we, at this point? Yeah. You know, it, it was just like, what is going on here? Um and yeah, well, yeah, Green's best assist of the season, undoubtedly. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, just yeah. like it was in the old the other game when yeah, 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 that was, Asbury, yeah. You know? Tom, Tom ranked up there with the Thomas assist. Yeah, and, uh, and even better because he kind of held them on for longer. And yeah. All this um, credit to the refs um, because ultimately they called they called it right without the replays that we saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah Neil McKelvey must have must have had a good line. He's very sign, close to he's he, very close he, to the, good angle. The punishment I thought for both players was spot on. Yeah, yeah. As you say. And and I didn't see it in real time. So I'm what I'm saying the punishment is right, having seen all the replays. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and overall, actually, I thought it was the, 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 the I thought that the refs actually did a decent job in this game. I'm generally more likely to say that when you it's what you don't, what you're missing, what you're not looking for. But yeah. overall, I thought that, that they kind of they, they dealt with the the physicality of it and the communication of it quite well. Yeah. You know, let stuff go and all that stuff, and, and but also there wasn't many that many times when you thought, oh, we should have blown that, or we should have blown that, or what's going on there. Mm. And so yeah, so so that kind of changes the the complexion of the game a lot. Yeah, yeah. 
there's almost is you know these we, we always say oh, the guy doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, but for that team for the Eagles, almost is a four, and he's athletic, and he, you know, he's probably their only real matchup for the different fours Newcastle have, which are primary. I mean, neighbor played there a little bit, but Green and um, Ward Hibbert as well played a lot there, and he can, almost can guard either of them. You know, he can guard inside, guard outside. Can do all the little things. He can set the screens. He you know make make the winning plays, and that meant that they went to Butrick a bit more. And Butrick struggled. Butrick was two of eleven in this game, you know. And and um, and when they had their their um the drought at the end of the third quarter, mm. um, that that hurt them. I thought not having on West on the court. The the final postscript to the the the, the shenanigans was is a wonderful moment. Three minutes later. Where Green's already been told to shut up twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now he he eventually we just see the camera click on him, right? And he stops shutting up. And I think it was Tom Muddyman gives him a technical, right? And um at the very moment that Tom Muddyman gives him the technical, Jordan Johnson, you go back and watch this. Jordan Johnson looks at Taj and goes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Jordan Johnson who was about yeah, to indulge, yeah, indulge yeah. in the rumble in the jungle about four yeah. minutes ago. Green hadn't picked him up. Yeah. And now he's telling him, oh, no, no, he's a sensible one again. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we've gone in the full 363 yeah, yeah, yeah. magic mushroom circle, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, utterly nuts. Um, the, um, so, so, yeah, so that happened. Yeah. And then after that, the game was, it was imbued with intensity, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, particularly yeah. Johnson. Johnson was fun to watch. Yeah. So Johnson, McGill, neighbor of threes, pushed him out to a seven-point lead immediately after the headbutting incident. Uh, Whitfield and Johnson then from behind, uh, from behind the arc, got it out to uh, eleven. And obviously at this point, Johnson is pantomime villain. So the, none yeah. of that welcome back the old player stuff. They were yeah. booing him and everything. And it's he was good. and and he he was he he seemed to be rising to that as well with every yeah. but the other thing, I mean it's it says a lot about the caliber or, or the mentality of a of a player that they get better in those circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You a lot, you know Charles is the best example, you know. Yeah, yeah. Games Colin Irish about. is the best example. Colin Irish, yeah, Colin yeah, Irish. Yeah, yeah. I once called Colin Irish fatty. From the, yeah, yeah, yeah. from the bleachers of Gateshead Leisure Centre. Yeah. Uh, he looked at me and I didn't speak to him again. No, I was, no. I was only about he, Colin Irish was the guy that when you started booing him, you go, what are you doing? Don't boo him. Don't do that. I remember at a game, I was at a game once at Worthing Leisure Centre, uh, just meandering off down memory lane here. And mm. the referees got into a muddle about something about what should happen. And it was like a tied ball game. Uh, or one point either way and they spent they spent ages trying to work out whose ball it was or whatever it was and you can see irish were just getting more and more irate can we just get on with the game like that and eventually after about five minutes they came up with whatever decision it was and he just went bang 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 four threes in a row i'm not having any more of this this game is over just because he got mad and it was yeah. the the other team got the got the punishment of the referees messing about he was one of the, he was one of the greatest British he's any dual national but one of the greatest players ever called Irish. Um the best description of him. Um six six shooter from anywhere. 
mentality, a little Charles Barkley, really. A little yeah, yeah, Charles, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, BBR Charles Barkley in those times. Probably not the jumping ability, but everything else. Um, so, yeah, but it said a lot for Johnson. that, um, And then it said a lot for the rest of his team, I thought. But again, second night of a back-to-back, again, a game that, that really no one really expects him to win. Mm. Um, that the rest of his team kind of rallied to rallied, his support. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Del Pesh, probably had his best game of the season. He must have had five or six offensive rebounds. He was responsible for a couple of those threes. Um, Neighbor, as you say, knocked down some shots and played some reasonably sturdy defense in, in, in down low. Uh, and um, the big, but the biggest thing in this whole game, in fact, the, the determining factor in this whole game, I thought, uh, was that um, Ward Hibbert guarded Whelan. And if you watch the game back, and I have watched it back, so I was quite entertained by it. Um, Ward Hibbert, firstly, Gareth run, kind of ran out of trust in his bench because Patrick Whelan played the whole second half. And he doesn't normally do that. He played him the whole second half. But Josh Ward Hibbert guarded him the way you meant to guard him. He forced him left in every screen and roll. He forced, he didn't, wasn't letting him get to his right hand. Um, when they were switching, he was making them work for the switches. So there was one time near the end of the game whereby Del Pesh switched on to him, but we only had to work so hard to get the switch that he pulled him a bit early and Del Pesh blocked the shot. Mm. And it was all about the constant harassment, the, the way that Ward Hibbert defended with his brain and his bro and his body to take away Patrick Whelan's pet moves. Now, you're not going to stop Patrick Whelan, mm. but you can stop him doing the things that you know are going to be hand ones and you know are going to be baskets. And without anybody else basically stepping up for Caledonia until the last few minutes, that five-minute period at the end of the fourth quarter when um, they couldn't get anything going, that was down to Ward Hibbert. So let's get to the last few minutes. Uh, 75-64 Newcastle led uh, with three and a half minutes to go. Paliza, uh, four-point play, then yeah, a turnover. He can't give that. You know, he's one, he, he got switched on to Paliza earlier in the possession. And it, it's a high screen roll at the top of the key. He's the help guy. He's been thought, he's no doubt been told at halftime, you've got to help a bit more on the roller because that's why Ali Hodzic was getting it. But he's guarding Paliza now. He's not guarding Ongwas. He's guarding Paliza. You can't help on the roller. So by the time Paliza gets the pass, Green's out there too late. Four-point play. Yeah. He's out he's out the game until the end of the game. He doesn't come back in. Yeah. Uh, then Eagles turnover, wheeling to the basket. Then another turnover, DeBose three. And in yeah. the space of one minute and seven seconds, it's gone from 64-75 to 73 75 and and suddenly they've got all the momentum uh the gladiators yeah and i think did newcastle get some foul shots did johnson get so some two two ten to go mcgill one for two from the free throw line 73 76 uh yeah. then 140 to go wheeler misses from close range eagles run it back mcgill layup 73 uh 78 and then 59 uh, seconds to go. Buttrick misses a three. Johnson fouled on the shot clock buzzer. 73 uh, 80. So mm-hmm. having lost an 11 point lead in, in the space of a minute they've stretched it back out with uh, with some important scores in a row to get it back to well, seven. Stretched, and that was basically it. Stretched it back out ultimately by getting stopped. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and going to the way their strengths are which is McGill and Johnson off the dribble. Mm. You know, and, and McGill, you know, he kind of drifts through games at times, but mm. he does do some, you know, elite things at times as well. You know, bang. 
and it happens kind of in quick succession. So he makes he gets to the rim on a quick on, he breaks a play to get the two foul shots. Then they get a stop and him he's down the court and Johnson drops off. And then as you say, the backbreaker was the last second. It was a dumb foul by um I don't remember, it might have been Pariza. Was Johnson mm. tried to shoot jump shot with a second to go? And but you know, Johnson's in people's heads by this point. Mm. That was kind of the game. It was, yeah. Uh Ali Hodgic, uh 18, so first defeat at home for Caledonia and the first team to win two British Basketball League games in two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newcastle Eagles. Uh, Ali Hodgic, 18.6 rebounds. Whelan, 14.8 rebounds, 6 assists. Paliza, 11. Uh, Johnson, 24.7 assists. McGill, 18.5 rebounds, 6 assists. And Whitfield, 12 points and 8 rebounds. And shout out to Jamie Pass on Twitter who went how many times, or when was the last time, I can't remember the exact question, that the two games have had the same score on the same night? Both games on one night have had the same score because it was 82-73 in Surrey-Bristol and 73-82 uh, Caledonia-Newcastle. So I looked it up, and the answer is 9th of March 2012, Sheffield Sharks 99, Mersey Tigers 82, Newcastle Eagles 99 Leicester Riders 82 and more impressively that's the only time it's happened where every game on a night where there's at least two games have had the same score speechless there you go that's a top top start that well done done asking that uh, let's go to a Sunday. Uh, Manchester Giants 84, London Lions 92. No Decker, Solowadi, Philip. Uh, Olesani was on the score sheet but didn't didn't play. Uh, Matt Morgan, Grantham, Taylor making threes. Manchester couldn't score. It's, it's 13-2 and uh, seemingly over after four minutes. Well, you know, in the 1980s, yeah. the, the New Zealand cricket team right, toured England. And the other guy called Richard Hadley, who you'll probably yeah. know from Nottinghamshire days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Richard Hadley was probably the best fast bowler in the world. And um, Mike Gatting, or, or I think it was Mike Gatting, one of the Middlesex guys, or the England guys, said, um, what was asked, what's it like playing New Zealand? And he says, well, you know, it's like you're playing, you've got Richard Hadley at one end bowling at you. And then you've got the Ilford second 11 at the other end. <laughs> which actually resulted in the New Zealand guys um, going around and getting T-shirts printed on them calling themselves the Ilford second 11. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think Ilford's in Essex somewhere. I'm not sure. It's it is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I got that. I just this took flashbacks for this because London, the, diff- the differential between London starting five and then the group that he put out at the end of the first quarter yeah. was such like they were playing two different games. Yeah, yeah. Um. And that's because, partly because of um, the guys who are coming in um, are inexperienced. Queely's been out for so long, he's hardly played. Yeah. Justice is still not in shape. He's only been there three games. Um, I think maybe Caboza, maybe maybe Connor Morgan as well. Maybe Luke Nelson was in, so he was the guy who wanted to. And, and that, I thought, gave... Um, and he obviously wanted to keep the, the minutes down for the starters, which yeah, is fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they didn't want to get into a Plymouth situation where they're being run off the court either. Yeah, yeah. And the biggest success for Manchester in this game was that Matt Morgan had to play 29 minutes. Yeah. They yeah. kept him on the court for 29 minutes to put this game away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so 
you know, they were they were so the bench the bench comes in, they're turning it over. Lewis starts eating up. Manchester had an eleven oh run to lead eighteen uh sixteen, having been down eleven in the in the quarter. And that was kinda how it how it played out. London looked like they might get away and then as you say Somebody sat down, and the Giants, mainly through Lewis and Anderson, to be fair, would yeah. would would pull it back. Well, Lewis had a Lewis game, and, and yeah, it's it, yeah. it kind of the twist with the Lewis game was that it was he was doing it from the point guard spot, mm. um, which meant that he had the ball in his hands every single time down, and mm. he had the ball in his hands every single time down. There's quite a lot of times it's going up, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and and to be fair, he's he's knocking shots down, mm. um, so there's no reason why it shouldn't. But I thought by the end of the third quarter, he got a little bit tired and a little bit shot happy. I think he made about five in a row in the third quarter and, and was flying, you know. But then that was the time when he probably needed just to take a step back a little bit. And I thought he kept going. And um, and eventually they brought Bosier in to play with him. And I thought they were better when Bosier was actually in with him. It allowed him to take a little bit of time off the ball and, and pick his spots a bit more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Manchester had... There were a lot of guys, but they didn't all play that much. You know, Walsh hardly played, and McNeil hardly played. But when they came in, they, they did what Stampley didn't play much. But they um they did what they were meant to do. Mm. Just never got the impression that they were going to get enough stops. Well, they got it to 77-81 on an Anderson three midway through the fourth quarter. And I think that was one where he got fouled after the land. So that he didn't get fouled. It was the guy on the screen. Oh, was it? So it was going to be another... He fired up another three, which didn't go in. But then uh, Sharma and Morgan basically put the game away in the next couple of minutes. Yes, yeah, and Sharma was Sharma was solid. I mean, for a guy who hadn't played much, you know, he, he was pretty solid and was able to score the ball. But Morgan, 32 points in 29 minutes. You know, we, we, we've seen it, haven't we? Mm. Been it game after game. Um, if I was being a little bit critical of Manchester, um, I would probably say that there were times when they, London had some guys in that you wouldn't want to shoot the ball, that you'd want to shoot the ball, and they didn't, and they let other guys shoot it. Um, but overall, I mean, and at least overall, they played hard again, Manchester. Yeah. You know, and you're going to have to show up to play in that gym to beat them because they're going to make shots. Um, the issue is, you know, to say they've got, are they going to stay together? Can they, can they stay healthy? Um, shout out to the GM at Manchester for filling the gym. That was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No idea who she is. Um, that's Dominique Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well done, Dom. Um, because the gym is full, it's great. Um, it looked like, it looked like a really good environment, a good game. Um, but yeah, London probably played Morgan and Co about five minutes longer than they would want. But that's a that's a, a result of not playing all the any, mm. you know, and not and not having the, obviously Philip as well and. and 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 so are they. So there are some guys there who maybe aren't going to knock down the shots that most so are they knocks down. Yeah. You know, when everybody's concentrating on everybody else. Yeah. And that's still really good London. Dear me. Yeah. Lewis, uh, 33 points, 14 of 27. Ooh. 27 shots is a lot. Uh, seven rebounds for us. That's the point guard. Seven rebounds. Hey, look, for... Be serious. You, you dropped 33 on London. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thumbs up. I'm not taking yeah, yeah. the mic. No. Thumbs up. Seven rebounds, four assists, four steals as well uh, for Lewis. Uh, Anderson, 21 points. Those two were the bulk of the scoring. They took 80 shots in total. Manchester, 33 of 80. Uh, nine of 32 from three. They had 21 points off turnovers as well. Mm. 
Uh, Matt Morgan, 32 points, 11 of 18. So he yeah. took nine, uh, nine fewer shots for one for your point. Uh, six assists. Um, Sharma, nine of 10, 19 points, nine rebounds. Connor Morgan, uh, 15 points, six rebounds, four assists, two blocks. They were 54% from the floor and four of um, 14 of 30 from, from three, but 17 turnovers, which is why Manchester had 21 points off yeah. turnovers. Uh, so, final game, uh, Cheshire Phoenix 100, Surrey Scorchers 80. Um, obviously, uh, Holden and Gooden still out for their respective teams. Uh, turnovers and runouts, Nick's making three, 14 3 inside four minutes. This one, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, this was probably the most predictable game of the, the week. Um, and it probably should be. I thought Cheshire were pretty sloppy in the second quarter, which let's sorry hang around. Um, but I thought this was it. This was the ultimate um, back-to-back situation, mm. simply because. And if you ever want to exemplify it in one person, it was Jordan Hunt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Hunt was twenty had twenty-two points. He was, he was awesome on Saturday. He couldn't make a layup in this game. You know. Now I don't know what they do in the New Zealand NBL, but I don't think they play too many games. Having checked out Ricky McGill's stats this summer, I don't think they play too many games on one day after the other. Mm. Uh, particularly when you've got a kind of three or four hour road trip in between, and it impacts, but generally impacts big guys worse than it does guards because they're the ones who have to cramp, get their bodies right, and cramp themselves in. And he just didn't. He, you know, in this game, he probably had seven, eight shots he would want to get back, and mm. um, which were close to the rim, chances to score. And you're going to have to score the ball against Cheshire because you don't well know that they're going to score the ball yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, ultimately. Sorry, I thought stuck in. Um, the transition defense in the first half was awful. Mm. Again, a remnant of a back-to-back being on the bus. You know, your, your transition defense isn't about whether you want to run back. It's about the first four steps. Mm. It's about your instincts, about being on your toes and being sharp of mind and sharp of body to get your first four steps in. Because if you're two steps behind at half court, you're done. It doesn't matter. No one's looking at you being only two. Oh, he's only two steps behind. Looking at the guy dunking the ball. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, they didn't have that. And then um, whilst they, they hung around, and I thought, as I say, I thought Cheshire, Cheshire got a little bit three point shots. Happy, albeit they, they do, do shoot a ton. Yeah. They shoot a ton, but their, their quality of shots kind of dropped off a little bit. Um, eventually, at the, the end of the third quarter, they kind of just blew them away, didn't they? So, Parkinson had a three and an eight-o run, got it to 26-20 in the first quarter. It's quickly back to double figures. Sorry, got it to five late in the third quarter, but then Kristen and White hitting threes. Rye come into the four, first 10 points of the fourth quarter, and it was 75-58, and that was that. Yeah, I mean, two things about that. One, um, they really should have got the memo about White. And I mean, there's, there's a lovely little moment where you saw Justin Robinson expressing some frustration with Jordan Hunt mm. in relation to the fact that he was letting White, you know, come up from here from the triple threat position and shoot the ball with his hand like that because I ain't going to do it. You've literally got to get it. You can't, you've got to be hand on him almost arm bare to stop him getting into his shot. And, you know, I was surprised that they stayed big for so long, sorry. I thought they might have just, in a game like that where your bigs are struggling, just, you know, when you're in a running game, just, just, Try and run them off the court, you know, get all your guards on the court, see if you can make a barrage of threes. You never know what might work. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure it would have worked, but you know, what's the harm? Because you were getting beat anyway, and and and, and you know, Hunter Jameson was really giving you anything inside. Um, 
And then the other thing impressive, obviously, was Rai, because Rai, now I talk quite a lot in this this stuff about, you know, knowing when the game's on the line and, and making, you know, making the right decisions when the game's on the line. Well, the blood was in the water, mm. you know, and Rai basically was the shark. Mm. You know, he, he, he just absolutely just attacked them. And um, he has this ability, he has this sneaky athleticism and this ability to control his speed. Um, which means that you have to be really, really disciplined when you're guarding. And I'm not sure that anybody in this league is quite up to that at this point, particularly when he's getting to the rim. You really have to have a game plan for guarding him. And it can't just be throw two people at him because he's a good enough passer to get other people's shots. So, it, you know, he's a nice... He's a, if I was still on the sidelines, I would say he's a hell of a nice puzzle to try and figure out. Because... You know, there are certain players who are scorers and, you know, I'm, trying, I'm going back, I'm thinking maybe Mike Cook, someone like that, mm. you know, who you had to, you know, you had to, you respected as, you know, a really high level scorer. But you knew there was, if you did things absolutely right, you could impact them. Not that you're not going to stop them, but you could impact them just enough to tilt the game in your favour. Mm. He's going to be one of them. Um so yeah, I mean he was he was awesome, and it wasn't that he wasn't that he's got twenty five points. It was when he had them. He had them when the game was ready to be put away. Yeah. He put it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, he had twenty five points and seven rebounds. Shagwa had uh, fifteen points. They had five guys in double figures, but probably the maddest stat line of the game was LaQuincy Rideau, who was one of eleven scoring, but seven rebounds, eleven assists, and four steals. Yeah, he's weird. He's a, he is a, he is an unusual player. He's a fun to watch player. I like I like he's also got a bit of presence. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, presence. yeah. it's 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 very difficult to do you know, you, I can't define it, but you know it when you see it. Mm. You know, so um you know, I don't see court presence in Atwood. I don't I didn't see it in in Bridges at Leicester. Mm. You see it in in someone like Rye, you see it in someone like Rideau, um, Jordan Johnson, you see it in Jaron Holmes at Leicester. Mm. You know, there's something about just the way that they are, they handle themselves and that they're, that they're there. Um, so they've got a few like that. Mm. That's probably their biggest, their, their, their biggest separation point. Maceo Jack, um, Kristen, Rideau, Ulf, Ulf has presence. Mm. And um, obviously, you know, Rai and Chargewa, they're all there for a reason and they all know what their job is, you know, their game is. So developing that is a massive thing in success in the BBL and the British Basketball League, and, and they've got that at the moment. Um, we'll see where they go. I mean, I like, I like, I'm looking forward to seeing them because play on the road against a couple of the teams that haven't played yet. I don't think they play Caledonia yet. I think they have to play them soon. Um, obviously they've played London, but we don't expect them to beat London. The question is when they um go under. I don't know if they beat the Sheffield yet. Um, they obviously won at Leicester and they won at Newcastle, so they, you know, they've done done okay. But that was early season, so the next step is when you play these teams again. Um, are you are you going to be um able to kind of get through on the road? They they lost that game at Bristol, which they probably could have got back in the last minute. Um. But at the moment, yeah, they look like the second best team at the they moment. They do, yeah, yeah, they do. Um, they also twenty three points off turnovers and thirty five fast break points. Um, yeah, well, so the transition defense was. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
And believe me, if, if you're going to have Paddy at Wang playing the point guard, you need to make sure your transition defense is in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wang had 14 points and six rebounds, still 14 points. Lauren, uh, Lawrence, 11 points, had 19 turnovers. Uh, quick squiz at the league table. Lions 14 and 1, Cheshire 9 and 4, Sheffield 8 and 6, Bristol 8 and 7, Caledonia 7 and 4, so games in hand, uh, and the, the same as Cheshire in terms of the losses. Uh, Newcastle 7 and 7, Leicester 6 and 7, uh, Surrey the ones just above the line, 4 and 10, Manchester 3 and 10, and Plymouth 12 and uh, 2 and 12, even so, this struck me. Leicester is Leicester's the king city, yeah, uh, allegedly. Yes, yeah, Richard the third, but is Richard the third assuming that's the link to it, right? Well, I'm thinking maybe this should be like the you know, should be like you know, King Henry, given all the guillotining that's going on at the moment. Henry the eighth, mm-hmm. um, yeah, any news? I'm, I'm waiting to see if anybody else is. Gonna put on put, put anything on Instagram, no? Um, that's great fun, isn't it? Look, look, this is the thing about this league, right? You know, it's great that teams don't want to stand still. Mm. You know, that you know that there is a um that there is a, a thirst for you know for not just going through the motions. And we've seen it in Surrey. Surrey, then the day we talk about Surrey as being kind of a low budget team. They got ten proper players. They got Justin Robinson, ex League MVP, Andrew Lawrence, all of these guys. Manchester, they got eleven, eleven. They're eleven deep, and they, you know, and um, and even even Plymouth, as I say, they look together and they played pretty hard at Newcastle, you know. Mm. Um, and now you've got suddenly Cheshire showing up and showing out, and now Leicester and Newcastle have found themselves in. Unused positions that they're not used to, particularly Leicester and Newcastle have had a bit more of it in the last couple of years. Um, and so it, it you know, it, it's that moment, you know, if you're not standing, if you're standing still, you're going backwards. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But Bristol started. Bristol have been kind of stood still because of their their injuries. Mm. So they were, and suddenly there's no room for any sympathy. You're going backwards because teams are going to come yeah, up and yeah, see yeah. your blood in the water. So now Leicester are making that move. Um, to say, look, this isn't quite right, this isn't quite good enough, and we're looking to, to get, you know, we're looking to play up the rest of the season like this, because mm. our mix isn't right. Um, and in a league of 10 teams, that's really important, because if you have two or three that are coasting, yeah, yeah. it becomes horrible. Mm. You know, it really does, because those two or three coasting teams, and there's no relegation to force them not to coast, mm. those two or three coasting teams are going to be playing in half the games. Mm. You know, and, and you're going to run out of those competitive games, and and we need more. We need more games like the Caledonia Newcastle game, mm. with a bit of edge and a loud crowd. And even the Manchester London game, to be fair, yeah, with yeah. a loud crowd, you know, and uh, you know, and a bit of you know, Jamel's making shots and giving it this and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Mm. You know, that's what we need now. I don't think that the structure of the league at the moment is necessarily conducive to that. Um, but maybe it's going to prove me wrong. Mm. You know. Um, and so yeah, this was more of a an upbeat kind of duo tone weekend. <laughs> there is such a word. Um, insofar as I enjoyed some of these games, I enjoyed some of these games quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you'll enjoy some more this week as well, and we'll be back to Sunday next week as well. Yeah, uh, well, I think Newcastle are off to London and Surrey Thursday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Given that London are playing Wednesday night, it'll be interesting to see yeah. what unit London put out. 
they've already came, laid them off, laid the hammer down on Newcastle for daring yeah. to them in the first game, and they did yeah, yeah, yeah. up in the second game and said, "You ain't close to us." Yeah. So, just you know, they're 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 kind of spiraling. The the um, roller coastering motivation will be something to keep an eye on throughout the season. Yeah. Um, but you know now, you, but the whole thing is is, is interesting now because I think Leicester got sorry this weekend. I have um, no idea, actually. I yeah, but I think you know. But anyway, you know now that now Leicester's a whole new subplot. Yeah. What 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 guys are they going to have? What team are they going to have? How are they going to fit together? Um, you know. So there's, there's some nice little subplots bubbling up around the league. I'm just quickly looking. Uh, London, Newcastle, Manchester, Plymouth, Caledonia, Cheshire, Surrey, Newcastle, Leicester, Manchester. Leicester, Manchester, sorry. Yeah, Sheffield, Bristol, uh, Plymouth, Surrey, and Cal- Cheshire, Caledonia in Cheshire. Oh, that'll be, be a fun game as well. Yeah, yeah. Caledonia still, the starting five has got me. I've sold on the starting five. I'm not sold on the bench still. So we'll see where they go. Great. Can't wait. There we go. So we will uh, we'll get ready for that and we'll be back next week uh, to our usual Sunday night. But for now, have a great week and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye, guys.